It's Friday, January 3rd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. It's 2020, and even though it may feel like it's time for a fresh start, some of the big stories that hit our radar last year are bound to come up again in the new year. Today, we're gonna look at some of the biggest sea change stories of 2019, stories that shape the news and change the way we see the world, and what to expect as we head into 2020. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. One of the biggest stories of 2019 was no doubt impeachment. For the first half of the year, the I word was floated in the context of the Mueller investigation. That's special counsel Robert Mueller, who was appointed by the Justice Department in 2017 to look into two things. One, Russian interference in the 2016 election, and two, whether President Trump or associates in his campaign coordinated with the Russian government. Mueller wrote a huge report, 448 pages to be exact, and he found that, yes, Russia interfered in the 2016 election, and that, yes, the Trump campaign knew about it. Mueller also laid out several instances of possible obstruction of justice by Trump, but in the end, didn't reach a final conclusion. Here's Mueller at his congressional hearing in July. As we say in the report, and as I said at the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. To Trump, that meant... There's no collusion, there's no obstruction, they have nothing. Mueller basically left it up to Congress to determine whether what Trump did as he laid out in his report is impeachable. Some Democrats took that ball and ran with it. The House Judiciary Committee started holding hearings on the matter. But other Democrats, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, said, eh, we're not there yet. But soon, everything changed, starting the day after Mueller's testimony before Congress. On July 25th, when President Trump got on the phone with the new president of Ukraine. This was the phone call heard around the world. When Trump said to his Ukrainian counterpart, quote, I would like you to do us a favor. Basically, Trump was accused of withholding military aid and an in-person meeting until Ukraine agreed to launch investigations into the son of a political rival, former VP Joe Biden, and into whether it was Ukraine that meddled in the 2016 election. After news of that phone call emerged, the Democratic-led House of Representatives decided to launch a formal impeachment inquiry into the President of the United States. Here's Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi at the end of September. The President must be held accountable No one is above the law. The House Intelligence Committee was put in charge and got a bunch of depositions behind closed doors. Then, in November, held public hearings over the course of five days, including everyone from high-ranking Trump appointees to career diplomats. How could our system fail like this? How is it that foreign corrupt interests could manipulate our government? I feared at the time of the call on July 25th how its disclosure would play in Washington's political climate. My fears have been realized. As a presidential appointee, I followed the directions of the president. And after Thanksgiving, the House Judiciary Committee took the reins. They held their own public hearings concerning the legal case for impeachment. And then... In service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. On December 18th, a day that'll go down in the history books, the full House of Representatives voted to impeach Trump on two articles of impeachment, 
abuse of power, and obstruction of Congress. So that's what happened in 2019. In 2020, you can expect this saga to continue in the Senate. As written in the Constitution, they'll hold a formal trial and decide whether to convict the president of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. If he's convicted, Trump would have to leave office. If he's acquitted, voters will have their say on Election Day in November. was also a big year for the climate crisis. One particular movement that gained a lot of steam, the Extinction Rebellion. The group, known as XR for short, started in 2018 in the United Kingdom. Since then, it's evolved into a huge grassroots network of volunteers and activists from all over the world. Their main demand is for governments to take immediate action to address what they call a climate and ecological emergency. XR's demonstrators are known for taking things to the extreme. Activists have blocked traffic, glued themselves to trains or building entrances, and chained themselves to cars and fences. This year's main global protest was in early October, where thousands of XR demonstrators protested in different cities around the world, from London to Amsterdam and Berlin to Sydney and New York. They brought some of the busiest metropolitan areas to a complete standstill. The organization has gained a lot of traction, with a ton of support from young people and celebrities like Emma Thompson, Benedict Cumberbatch, and the band Radiohead. There was even a moment when the father of UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson praised the Extinction Rebellion protests after his son criticized them. Awkward. But if we're gonna talk about climate crisis celebrities, you gotta talk about Greta Thunberg. The 16-year-old climate activist from Sweden made some real zero-carbon footprints this year when she sailed across the Atlantic on a zero-emissions yacht to attend the United Nations Climate Summit in New York. And when she got there, she made her feelings known to world leaders about how she felt they were doing to tackle the climate crisis. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? As we enter 2020, the fight to tackle climate change is far from over. Members of the Extinction Rebellion movement were still taking to the streets as 2019 came to a close. And Greta Thunberg and other youth activists are still pressing leaders and the global community to act now. Here she was on Capitol Hill in September. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to the scientists. And I want you to unite behind the science. And then I want you to take real action. So in 2019, we saw advocates join together around the world to put climate change on center stage. The question for 2020 is whether that messaging and that global outcry leads to real action. Another global change that went down in 2019 was the global outbreak of protests against austerity. Austerity is a word often used to describe something plain, strict, or solemn, like a room in a monastery, where there's no creature comforts except maybe a bed. Those are considered austere conditions. But in economics, austerity means penny-pinching, to the extreme. Like when a government cuts spending on things like social programs to reduce a deficit and balance the budget. An alternative to austerity is stimulus, 
when you inject money into the economy to try to boost growth, even if it means having to borrow more money. After the financial crisis of 2008, the US did a little bit of both. But in other countries, austerity was the policy. And now, a decade later, people in some of those countries are wondering, very loudly, if that was the right idea. Those frustrations boiled over in a bunch of places in 2019. In Chile, the government probably never predicted that raising subway fares by 4% would lead to intense protests. But that's exactly what happened. For many Chileans, the subway fare hike was kind of the final straw, proving that the government didn't get how austerity policies were hurting average people. For demonstrators, the country's economic growth didn't seem to matter that much since rising inequality meant the majority of Chileans probably wouldn't enjoy a slice of that wealth themselves. Another South American country, Ecuador, went through something similar in October. The country was grappling with a huge deficit, and to help ease it, Ecuador's government accepted a loan from the International Monetary Fund. But to secure the loan, Ecuador had to raise the price of fuel. That fuel hike hit people hard, and they started taking to the streets in protest. Ultimately, the government scrapped the austerity budget and gave back the loan. This year, frustrations over austerity rocked Lebanon, too. After the government announced it would charge a tax on WhatsApp messages. Yeah, a tax on the supposedly free messaging app. After the government also cut social programs and employee benefits, the WhatsApp tax felt like insult to injury. Cue huge protests. These countries weren't the only ones dealing with austerity backlash. Just look up Argentina, Colombia, or Honduras to see more examples of austerity measures leading people to the streets. These protests helped make 2019 a continuously active year for demonstrations. The details of each country's protests are different, but there are some common themes. One is that when younger generations look out and see less opportunity than they were promised, they're demanding that politicians shouldn't get a free pass. And amid warning signs that the health of the global economy might be getting worse, some people worry the protests we saw in 2019 could be just the beginning. So what's the skim? 2019 was a banner year for news. The impeachment of the president of the United States, huge protests addressing climate change, and a wave of anti-government fervor in countries across the world. As we get into the new year, there's going to be a lot to keep an eye on. And you can count on Skim This to help you make sense of it all. Happy New Year. And that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And a lot of news happens over the weekend. So if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 